Welcome to Well Played VHS, Well Played's film and movie podcast. We're here discussing The Last of Us, Episode 3 in our The Last of Us recap. I'm Zach Jackson. I am joined by James Wood. Hello. Nathan Hennessy. Welcome back. And once again, Radio Watson's Buddy Watson. How are we all? Amazing. Mm -hmm. Does anyone have any tissues left in their household after uh, watching the latest episode? Mmm. Mmm. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, we're off to the races tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do I say to that? All right, Nathan, is a good thank you. Nathan, buddy, uh, you two have watched it recently, I assume in the last 24 hours. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wait, yeah, because it can't, yeah. Uh, and James, you have not seen it since you did the review and neither no, have not I. since the review yeah all right uh nathan how did you feel about episode three so i've i was a little bit conflicted by it i liked the intent of where it was going particularly you know the big sort of middle act that we're treated to that's going to be i guess probably most of today's discussion uh, I really wasn't thrilled with the... Like, it's a longer episode, right? Like, this this episode clocks in just shy of... Well, I think it's what, an hour and a half? I don't know, an nah, hour and 15? I thought, it was, like, I thought it was like, yeah, like 75 minutes or something like that. 75 so, minutes like, is probably yeah. about right. You're probably about right there, but that's still on the longer end of the scale. Yeah, um, so it's HBO doing that kind of thing. But, but the thing is, is it starts off pretty slow, I thought. I uh, really didn't care much for the intro it reminded me a lot of uh, The Walking Dead in terms of what I consider to be pretty vapid dialogue and some prestige shots that kind of just tick some boxes but also weren't that interesting. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. I see a lot of potential in this episode. I was a little bit bummed out that it didn't quite reach what it was setting up. Okay. For me. We'll discuss further. Buddy, how about you? How did you find episode three? I loved it. Um, thought it was fantastic. Loved pretty much everything about it. And it was... Are we speaking spoilers now or no? Yeah, you can, you can, you can do it. Yeah, so um, yeah. one thing I thought was a bit weird, like they didn't do the cold open like they did in the first two episodes, which was so powerful. But then obviously the whole reason for it is because the whole episode is basically flashbacks. So I thought that was a good move in hindsight, um, was basically turning that opening cold call into kind of one massive episode and um, the way they fleshed out. Bill and Frank and everything uh, that was fantastic and kind of that moment towards the end where uh, kind of Joel feels a little bit more responsibility towards maybe Ellie or kind of obligation based on that that thing. So, uh, yeah, I really liked it. Nice. James, now you did the review for us. Where did this review, sorry, where did this episode sit uh, in the nine eps for you? Um, yeah, like I think my review is not alone in paying special attention to this one. I, I think that um, it is by and large, um, I guess, the most traditionally successful uh, episode of this show. And um, I think that that's simultaneously a bit of a yardstick measurement for me of, of where the rest of this show ends up and sort of the the kind of quality. If, if this is kind of the best it's got to offer, I think that says both something about this episode and what the rest of it does have to offer. Um, I do think it is somewhat successful in its queer storytelling. Um, and I noted this in the review as well. There's an intimacy to it here that I really appreciated, um, especially as a queer person. There's There's some good stuff in here. 
There's also some stuff I'm not super jazzed about. Um, I think that the, the like Nathan said, like the kind of the, the visual language, the prestige language of this one is is when we really start getting into like um, it, it's it's so staged. Um, yes. I don't yep. feel any real texture from a lot of this world at this point, um, and I think that is um, alienating as a viewer. Um, but look, yeah, it, it's it's got some good. It's got some less good. Um, I understand why it's getting sort of this major sort of like critical and, and popular response that it's getting. Cause I think it is a, an effective uh, bit of emotional storytelling. Um, but uh, I think as a queer story, I have some more deeper concerns, I guess. And um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know, a bit, bit all over the place on this one. So at the request of Ben Smith, uh, I did listen to the podcast with Troy Baker, uh, Craig, Mazin, Mazin, I can't, I can't remember what, what, I think it was Mazin <laughs> that we said and Big Neely. Um, and they kind of do, t- do talk about some of the, the choices that they make and whatnot in this. But uh, it's clearly a big departure from this part of the game. Uh, like it's very, very different. Buddy, how, how did you feel? I, I know that you said that you enjoyed the episode, but the changes that, that, that they made because it is such a big change. Um, I thought it was fine. Like one of the big things you get in the game is the the banter between Ellie and and Bill. I think that's kind of like the biggest um, relationship outside of like the kind of hinted at moments of, of Bill's past or, or you know current life and what, how he got into that position versus what you get in this game. Uh, oh, sorry, in, in the TV show. And I like like I loved all the Sarah stuff in episode one. How they kind of flashbacked. Um, and kind of had her going into the city and actual, you know, getting Joel the watch and the origins of that and, and the whole neighbor interactions and that little moments you get with Sarah and, and Joel back and forth of who's going to go over to the neighbor's house and that kind of fleshed out that situation versus where in the game you just wake up and, you know, chaos is happening and because you have that agency, you already kind of had that care for her versus, you know, you don't have that watching the show. So I think the same way they did that with... Bill and Frank, even though they're not kind of maybe to a, a viewer that hasn't watched the game, like mainstream characters, like this is, you know, a, a, a one-off thing, but it's a, a story that's in this world. Um, maybe people don't see it as important or, or why we're we seeing this versus, you know, kind of Ellie and, and Joel's like people would maybe describe it as filler episodes, but from someone who, you know, played the game, I love seeing these fleshed out kind of moments and, and seeing how the characters kind of can have more, you know, backstory and, and, and nuance, I guess. Nathan, as someone, you're playing through part one mm. now. Uh, so you, you're past this. I think you said that you're past well this past. section. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how but still you find, recent enough uh, in memory. How did you find this um, game to TV show? I think the first thing I was happy was with was kind of just getting into the mindset that this is going to be it, it, like you know very from very early on. This is going to be quite the departure because we know that. I think we're given the impression in the game that there wasn't a great sense of intimacy uh, between Frank and Bill. You know, both references made, uh, during and after the fact that we find Bill the character hanging uh, in a building after having tried to desert. It's Frank. Oh, Frank. Sorry, yeah, Frank having tried to desert Bill. You know, that you sense that it was more of a relationship of circumstance rather than something that was deeply intimate. So here we're exploring a more intimate relationship. So, you know, I go into the mindset of this is where the series really demonstrates to me that these characters are 
a very different version of the characters that were traded to in the series. I've got to look at this as a as a completely different. Well, I got I got to read this completely differently as I would someone playing the game. So once I had that kind of mindset, um, I was all in. You know, it was a it was a quite a fun story to explore with these two characters. As I say, I was a, I was a little more or rather less thrilled with the episode that we get either side of it because this is an episode that's bookended by a different story story of basically like Joel and Ellie in the present day um, and that was that was detracting for me I, I would have much appreciated to just dive straight into that set that middle story with Bill Frank and just spend time on it and then you know that would have made the ending feel a little little bit more impactful for me because the ending okay. is definitely one of the big draws for that story um, in in terms of being a fairly like a telling of a fairly traditional romance story you know ending in tragedy as it does. That's that's fairly like that's it's been the ancient commonplace way of telling a you know a love story through tragic lens, mm. and I think it does that well enough. You know, in terms of if it was a like theater part, a theater play or a stage play, which is also how I spent much of my time watching uh, that chapter of the show. Yeah, I mean, I I quite I really really like this episode. The only thing I would say is I probably thought it was a little bit too long, knowing that yeah, is. this is a like a one and done story kind of thing. I feel like they, because there are some episodes later on in the series, uh, season, sorry, that are a bit short. Uh, and I think I might have said this in, in the thing, but if things towards the end kind of do feel a little bit rushed, a little bit. But um, so I felt like, you know, spending 75 minutes here or whatever it may be, when they could have maybe chopped 15, you know, make it an hour. Um, but. Other than that, I thought it was really good. So the episode, so at the end of episode two, I'm trying to think what happens. At, at, I can't remember now. Anyway, Joel. Um, they oh, leave sorry. Tess yes, yes, sorry. Yes, yeah. So Tess is Tess is getting getting a smooch, um, and then blows up the building. So the beginning of this episode sees. Uh, are they in the mountains at the start here? Or they're going for a hike no. or something? Yeah, they're hiking. So hiking, hiking sorry, they're yeah, uh, and yeah, and then it's kind of like um, how long's the hike? Like five hours or something like that. And then I think that's where they camp, or is that a bit? Yeah, so they, they go camping and then they go, they stop at this uh, what looks like a shop or something, and Joel's buried some stuff there, and that's when Ellie goes into the uh, bunker. If you, I guess you bunker go, basement, yeah, yeah, the basement bunker, and finds that clicker like fused like yeah. to the wall. I I do want to say I I loved this scene with Ellie. I think when she finds that that clicker that's kind of like it can't move basically yeah. and initially her reaction is fear obviously and then that melts away and she takes out a knife and just like kind of makes an incision into its head to just yeah. look at it. Yeah. Um and I thought that that was a really interesting quiet moment for a character whose relationship to violence is obviously going to evolve in some really interesting ways. Um and I I enjoyed that moment. I liked the um was a bit where she found like the the tampons somewhere as well. Like mm-hmm. I think you get some really good Ellie stuff in this episode. Um, the joke about Joel not remembering where he put his stash, I thought was very dad-like and very sweet in its own way. Um, again, like Nathan said, it's, it's nothing revolutionary, but I, I did enjoy the, the more quieter characterization moments. And I think that the show could definitely do with more of that. Yeah. And then uh, it pretty much flashes back to, to Bill. Uh, and mm. he is, he's eating dinner, I think, isn't he? No, 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 sorry, before no, no, that, he's, he's watching Fedra uh, yes, on his doorstep. Yes. 
So Fedra's come to this little town, this whatever it is, like a little pop-up. Massachusetts. Pop-up little village. Yeah, um, little suburb yeah, thing. And, yeah, Fedra's come in and he's hiding in his basement watching them on, on his cameras and they've come into the building, can't find anyone, and they've all – everyone's gone. So he's got the entire town to himself and goes and cracks a bottle of wine or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, well, he effectively, like, he, he builds himself a small yeah. – isolated town you yeah, know he puts up a fence uh gets a bunch of fuel and food and generator and you know d- does everything that you're going to need to do to sort of have like a self-sustaining thing um that's uh making him like a like a 9-11 truther kind of vague uh fuck the government type in america i did find to be a really interesting character choice because like the his queerness and his um uh, let's say views on on America and its systems. I think are potentially competing ideologies, but um, there there is some interesting tension there at least. Like I think the idea of like having this kind of like deeply insular, deeply sort of like paranoid individual, eventually learning to express his queerness later on in his life is is quite a, a nice choice. Um, but I also think at the same time the the way that he's coded in this and the the kind of like anti government. Um, kind of truther vibe paired with the I'd say the way this this episode films American iconography and the the flag flapping in the in the sunlight I I I think there's a lot of competing things going on here that I don't think gel cohesively for me um but yeah it's it's certainly making some choices yeah even the don't tread on me flag exactly that's it in in his his bunker I was like oh okay um what kind of person is Bill or exactly. what kind of person yes. is he going to be? be? And then um, mm-hmm. it I feels like they went with a really shortcut to like a, oh, well, Nick Offerman just kind of like plays this vibe really well. And I think that there is a way that you could have done that vibe without the don't tread on me bullshit sort of hovering in the background, because as it is for the text itself, like there is no reflection on his ideology, racism, anything of the sort that's usually associated with, with sort of like a more, let's say conservative leaning person. Um, like, I had to have a look into it after um, I kind of saw that flag and and I was reading into it like that symbol didn't really come like politicized until like the early 2010. So this set in 2003, mm. I'm like, has that even hit its meaning yet? But still right. the show has the context of what that flag is about now yes. versus when the show is set. So I'm kind of like yeah. that already have that expectation, but they're offsetting of like this time frame when it might not have been this, you know, conservative uh, mm. associated with bigotry or racism or type things. So like, what are they... Mm. It, it is like a, it, it is kind of off-putting a bit, but um, yeah. There's also the context of when this was written. Like you, you can just imagine that this is written sort of at early enough within the pandemic that people are getting aware of trends such as so like survivalists became popular as a curio for a moment mm. because it's like these people have been preparing for shit like this. Look at them thrive, and then mm-hmm. there's always been this you know association that it's these nutty wackos. <laughs> that uh, the survivalists, you know, it kind of plays on that, but it, it's very, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from the "Don't Tread on Me" American flag to "Damn survivalists are resourceful, aren't they?" To he's thriving. We can get around a bloke like this. He's living the quintessential male fantasy. Mm. He's gone back to his roots, and damn, he makes it look good. You know, it's all very like you don't, you don't see absolutely any hardship to how he adjusts to life as a survivalist. Not once. Like I was very, I noticed very particular their shots. Like for example, he beats, he, he builds himself like a little, um, 
like abattoir. He's got like a little outdoor butcher's shed and stuff like that. Like there's no mess. There's no, there's mm-hmm. none of that rustic charm. He's just made it work as though it's, you know, another step in modernism. Do you think that comes from being like a closeted gay man that maybe didn't feel a part of that town or scene before and now it's kind of like a massive exhale outside of all his survival skills and resourcefulness and stuff? Interesting, because then you see him kind of repressing uh, Frank's ability to do anything with the town as well, like for him to be able to thrive and make his mark on it. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I had one thought and I thought like this suburb must be relatively big or somewhat kind of big. How does he fence off the entire fucking thing? Well, they don't worry they, about it. Was it. A th- wasn't it? It was like a three year time skip when we see that we're introduced to that fence with three years later. Yeah. Mm. But like, that's got to be like a, a lot of resources. Yeah. Like <laughs> what else? And then like do, Joel's though? just like, he, he strodes in <laughs> and strides in later done. and is like, I can rebuild your whole fence. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mate, it, these, this day and age, fans, fucking nothing. <laughs> Bread and butter. So, we, yeah, so we, we meet Bill and then uh, do we first, no, we do because sorry, that, that comes way later. But uh, then so Bill's obviously set up all these traps around his property or just outside the fence and whatnot and then one day uh, one of the, alarms goes off or whatever it is or it signals that someone's triggered one of the the uh the traps and he goes out and there's uh a person in there and he's saying uh, i'm not infected i'm not infected um and then he goes are you armed and i actually quite like this part uh um and he he pauses for a few seconds and he goes no and then uh nick sorry not nick bill sorry he Personal mate, uh, mine, Big Nick. But uh, Bill Bill goes, um, why'd you pause? And uh, he goes, oh, I was trying to think of a reason, but I, could, then I, I, I couldn't think of one. I just I thought, I thought that was quite yeah. quite good because, you know, in that moment, it's like, do you know, fucking do you say that you're armed, but you're not really just to... But then you, you're stuck in a hole, mate, like, like really like. So, but yeah, so then these two meet and then... Uh, what does is, what is Bill say? Like, I'm not going to give free lunches to a bunch of bums or something to that ex- extent. <laughs> He's like, oh, you know, I'll give you a free lunch and then you go tell and I'll have a bunch of bums come around for a, for a free meal. Um, this, isn't an, this isn't an Arby's? Is that what he says? Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then he obviously convinced, like, fr- Frank, like, somehow, well, he, you know, he's like, Bill kind of softens and is like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll let you have one, one free meal. So then they go inside and then obviously they cook him. What? Let him have a shower because he's a dirty bloke. There's, a, oh, there's quite a contrast in their <laughs> yes, skin. Sorry, sorry. yes, he did have a shower first. But One, uh, one dude's quite clean. What did he cook him? Oh, rabbit. A rabbit. Rabbit. It was rabbit. Yeah, rabbit. And it pours a nice glass of wine and then, you know, the bond begins. Um, I think. <laughs> James, you, well, would you like to... Yeah. No, 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 you're fine. I just thought that was very, very charming. <laughs> uh, but well, yeah, it does, I mean, like, though, doesn't it? Yeah, well, they, they clearly start to to bond. And it's, it's interesting because in the the official podcast, uh, this is the unofficial one, but in the official one with uh, Troy and whatnot, they kind of talk about how Frank picks up on 
Bill's, uh, I, I can't remember the word they use, but like Frank just gets like a vibe from, from, yeah, the, from there's Bill. There's a lot of these camera nods to bits of detail in the environment. Uh, you know, subtle, not not so subtle. For example, the less subtle one is the big old piano. Um, so it's obviously, you know, he's, he's he's forming an idea of what this Bill character is like. He's like, this isn't a typical dude, bro. Yeah. This isn't a blokey bloke. He's clearly got an eye for taste. Uh, yeah, because I think he says, uh, I don't, what does he say? Like, the, not what you expected or not the vibe that you expected yeah. or something like that. And he goes, nah, you you are or, or, or something to that effect. I wanted to talk about what they mentioned in the podcast because I just want to get James's thoughts on this, but they talked about uh, having the gay characters and Craig Mazin, it might have even been Neil as well, I can't remember, but they were saying it how was, they it wanted... It was Mazin. Yeah. I, Did you want the you, quote? Have you listened to it? Yeah, I've got the transcript here yeah, if you yeah, go the transcript. And by transcript means I wrote these notes listening to it. <laughs> um, so Mason said he wanted to bring in as many gay men into the process as possible f- uh, for the episode, um, given it was about a story of middle-aged gay romance. In this case, we had an embarrassment of riches, he said, including editor Timothy Good, producer uh, Cecil O'Connor, and especially director Peter Hoare. Hoa. Uh, Mason said Bartlett brought the producers to tears in the audition to play Frank. And then a few months later, White Lotus came out and they're like, oh man, we did uh, hit the jackpot here. Um, so basically just saying that they had a lot of uh, yeah. gay middle-aged men around them in creative <laughs> roles that well, they, they were kind saying of that try and Mar- bounce off because they were trying to get gay actors. Yeah. yeah. So Murray, Murray Bartlett, Bartlett. He, they, were, mm-hmm. yeah, they were saying he's, he's a gay middle-aged, uh, married, gay marriage, married middle-aged man. Um, and I think I don't remember the exact quote, but they're saying about one of them. Uh, this could be incorrect, but they're like, being gay is not the most important part, or not the it's yeah. Like the being, being gay wasn't the most important thing about this story. It was being middle a middle aged man. Yeah, uh, and I don't recall what came after that. But um, do you have it in your transcript there? Uh, I don't. Sorry. That's right. But um, yeah, they kind of go on to talk about that, and they said that they. Do you remember the actor? They said they wanted to. It was the guy from that was Brukhanov in Chernobyl, or was that just a different character that they wanted to play? Yeah, I think it was Bill. Yeah, I don't remember his actual name, but the the guy that plays, uh, he's the director of the plant. He's the guy that um, mm. I don't know if you remember him, but yeah, anyway, he, he's the vaguely, yeah. Uh, anyway, so they wanted him, but that he was busy or something like like that. Uh, so they got Nick. To come in and and yeah, uh, he did a pretty good role. But uh, James, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, like, I'm I'm definitely glad that they involved other queer people in the, in the creative process here. I think that uh, producer, director, actor isn't the same as writer on on this particular front. Um, I would have appreciated if maybe they'd brought in a queer writer to maybe help them massage some of this a little bit at the same time, queer people aren't a monolith, right? And like, there are a lot of queer people who this story really works for. And I think that that's, that's great. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's room to tell this kind of, um, this particular kind of, of romance, uh, I, I guess. Um, I, you know, like you described it before as like, you know, he shows up and he makes him a meal and like the, the, the connection kicks off, whatever it is. And like, there's, there's a tiny part of my brain that is like reminded of any time that I would go out with friends earlier in my life and they would be like, well, there's another gay person here. Surely you two are going to hit it <laughs> off. Um, I, I think that that is a little, a little that maybe just a touch. I, 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 don't, I don't know. In the show? In the show. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's a little bit, 
well. Because the thing is, like, one of, the thing that I praised in my review is that, and I couldn't get into this because of the spoiler situation, but like, um, the idea that this seems like uh, Bill's first time with a dude is is the vibe I'm getting from this, and mm. I think that the actual yeah. intimacy of that scene of them together in bed is very true to life. Like that felt very tender and and very nice to me. Um, the the connection around that I do find a little bit more kind of like what do these two have in common other than the fact that they're both gay and here? Um, And if that is all it is, I don't even think that's necessarily a bad story to tell, but I do think that that maybe more naturally leads to the ending that we get in the game, um, which is, you know, definitely miles darker. And I, I fully understand why it's not for everybody. Um, But I do think that there is, there's a point to a lot of the brutality in The Last of Us in both games. Uh, I think that they know what they're saying generally with the choices that they're making. Mm. Uh, and I think specifically having Ellie meet a a really sort of like a, a gay couple who, who have effectively kind of like self-destructed their lives together at that point in her life while she's still growing and developing as a person. And then with what she goes on to do with her own queer relationship, um, I think that there is some thematic resonance there. There's some foreshadowing. There's some, there's some connective tissue. Um, and what we get here instead is like a really, really nice love story. But if this was between straight people, I would have been bored out of my mind. Um, and I, I kind of wonder how everyone else is like, if this wasn't just a dude and a chick, like I, I just do not see this episode getting this level of hype around it. And I, I yes, like representation matters. Like absolutely it does. There's no real invalid form of it either. Again, like I said at the top, very good. If queer people enjoy this and queer people want to tell this story that I'm, I would never tread on any of that. But I, I just don't think it's particularly well written. I'm glad you said it. Yeah, because I didn't want to be the first one to say, but what you just said very much reflected my experience with it. So if I could sort of leapfrog, uh, if I could put it in so few words, it kind of felt like like baby's first queer A24 movie. Mm-hmm. Like this is, <laughs> this is as approachable as like, I'll give you, I'll tell you what I mean by this. So you can hedge your bets, or at least I can speak anecdotally for, the fact that I work with a fairly a masculine crowd of, of men of all different backgrounds. And this is their, for many of them, this is really their first deliberate attempt at keeping up on a weekly basis with a prestige show. And by the extent of that, this is also the first time that they've been caught off guard with a gay romance plot put front and center in their face. And they've just got to sit there and, you know, feel whatever they have to feel, but you can't be too confronting with it. Like, for example, I've, I've such a harsh yardstick to measure this with is the fact that, you know, I've seen far more interesting and compelling queer romances in, I, I mean, the first film that came to mind for me was something like Moonlight. And and that's mm. that's a very harsh comparison yeah. to make, Nathan. But at the same time, <laughs> that's a film that's definitely not afraid to present some, you know, really complicated situations around queer romance, which for me, as a straight white man, was far more interesting. I was really on the edge of my seat with that film. With this, I kind of felt like, yeah, this is this is approachable. You know, I'm glad that other folks are seeing this. I've kind of feel like I've been here a little bit before. Like this is past that sort of entry level. Like this has definitely got some nice sanded edges to it um, mm. for what I would have expected. I would have expected a little bit more drama and messy drama perhaps. Um, mm. So, you know, this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. I love the intent. I think it had a little bit more potential and it, that would have been risky considering the major audience you've got for this show. So when you say you want more drama, just so what, 
what's an example of that? So I can visualize what you're talking about. What's one of the, okay. So if we use an example here, some of the major points of conflict between these two, and remember we're seeing them over, what is it? 15 years years? or so? Like a while, right? And we, we get treated to, you would expect their denouement to be um, before they go grey, right? Because that's obviously a marked change point for that narrative. They they go grey, which was another thing for me that, I don't know, kind of it looked a little bit comical, the greyness of their hair. I, I, <laughs> that's completely neither here nor there. Um, but their biggest issues is, you know, um, someone chucks a hiss, like, like Bill chucks a hissy fit when Frank wants to socialise with other people. You know, that, that's that's as uncomfortable as shit's getting for him, which, you know, you kind of get it. It's a survivalist out of his comfort zone. But you're trying to build up, like, that. that's as hard as it gets. Or when the the fact that Frank's, you know, not really allowed to make his own mark in the city, you know, he wants his boutique and that. And there's a little, obviously, that's been a point of contention. And then you don't really get to see the final product, which, again, is neither here nor there. But those were the two markers of the complications in that relationship. And, again, I'm, I'm saying if you've watched other or even read other queer romances, that's pretty bottom shelf in terms of relationship drama. Like, and that's what I think that's kind of what James means. Like if that was two straight folks have, and they, that was their issues and they're trying to tell an intimate story, that's a fucking snore fest. <laughs> um, yeah, to, I guess to piggyback off of that, like I think when Nathan says drama, I think maybe what we're also looking for here is a bit of friction. Um, like, Correct, I don't, thank you. I don't want, you know, like because I, I think it's, it's not an invalid impulse to be like, hey, I don't want to, um, sus, you know, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um give a, bundle, a boatload of tragedy to a, a queer couple that we're building up in this world, right? But I it think is that still that is, a tragedy. Mm. Exactly. Like, I think it's a little bit antithetical to the entire concept of The Last of Us. I think to specifically put two queer people in a bubble outside of that world is its own concern for me, just as a queer viewer who loves the world of The Last of Us. Um, but, yeah, like, those fights that they have, the, the, the sort of blips that we do get of, like, their friction and whatnot, like, they, those do feel like very fundamental issues. And I think that the story of two men who find each other, find intimacy, find love, but then eventually over time realise that the only reason they found that love is because they were the last two men on Earth, that's a much more compelling and interesting queer story to me mm. than just what we get here, which is like, yeah, they fight, but ultimately they, they fall asleep in each other's arms, which is beautiful. Like, don't get me wrong, like, it's very... Nice. It's all very nice. I, I don't disagree with it, but I'm I rem, I'm reminded of the um the the strawberry scene, right? Which is like there's this kind of like thing where I think um, old mate trades one of uh, Bill's guns for some yeah. strawberry seeds, and it's it's kind of like oh how dare you do that kind of crap? And then later on they're exercising, and he's like I got something to show you, and they find this like beautiful patch of strawberries, and they're leaning there and they eat strawberries for the first time, and um. Nick Offerman does a really good job of doing like the kind of, this is the first time I've had fruit in 20 years or whatever. And like, it's, it's a very sincere moment Mm, mm. at the same time though, the sun is like perfectly setting behind them. It's kind of like shaky. It's an Emmy moment, man. Exactly. And And there's a couple of them and they just zoom in on his face and you got to soak it in, but there's not much character to the shot. Is there? Well, that's it. It's just, it, it's very textualist to me. Like it's, it's a very smoothed out version of this story. You're going to get an award, bro. Well, that's it, you know, and like, I don't, I don't go in on the whole, like, um, just because something is obviously trying to manipulate you means that it's bad. I think that Mm. a lot of media that we consume pushes our buttons very obviously and we let it do that, right? It's, it's that buying in of enjoying a story. Um, I just couldn't buy into this particular one. Mm. Mm. Okay. But but yeah, like, 
I, I feel like if you don't have much exposure to this kind of story, then well, totally. yeah, my man. Yeah, for, the, for the, you know, millions and millions and millions of viewers that are tuning into this, um, like this is probably a really good starting point for like, oh, I never even considered that queer people could fall in love. Um, like that's going to be such a reality for so many people, I suspect. <clears throat> but is it, it hard, is. is it hard to knock it down a peg for that? Not because it's not Moonlight or Call Me By Your Name. No, 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 no. Crazy. Absolutely not. That's why I'm saying this is just a mishmash of expectations. This is purely me. That's why I'm saying like I'm I'm stoked for the folks that are enjoying this. I don't want to yuck their yum at all. You know, I think I think you're mm. absolutely well entitled to really really enjoy this to the point of tears. I'm grateful. I kind of wish I was there with you. You know, I would mm. I would have liked to me shed too. a few tears with this one. I, I didn't. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's an issue of expectation purely mm. for me. I feel, like, I feel like that that's been a bit of a common yeah. theme with, well, with I think it has. So I think I'm still yeah. finding my feet with this series mm. and, uh, be interesting to see how I come out in episode 10. Is it 10? Do we have nine? 10? Nine. 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 Yeah. Um, but James, are you, uh, how do I, what's right? What's the question I'm trying to ask? This is, even though you probably didn't, you don't, resonate fully with the their partnership and and what they mm-hmm. and how it is are you glad they did this episode for a big yeah, uh, for a big budget yes. big title game like this mm. or you know no totally. brand? I, I think yeah. it it deserves to exist I'm glad it exists um if even just for Nathan's point of like his straight mates have to now watch this and just mm. sort of sit with whatever that makes them feel I think that anything that does that and and pushes more quiz stories into a more mainstream audience is a-okay in my book. Like, you know, like I've come on this podcast sort of every week on this show, getting progressively more disillusioned with it. Um, but at the same time, I still stand by my seven. Like, I, I think that like it is, I'm not mad this thing exists. Um, I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's an expectations problem with me because like I don't come into this being like it needs to be a certain thing. I think I just wanted a little bit more from it at every turn that it's made. Yes. And we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about how this is very like standard zombie fodder television. I think this is just standard love story television, but it just happens to be starring two gay men. And that is that's really good on its own right. And in, in some circles, yeah. it's revolutionary, but not to me. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to get a bit of a like triple A Ubisoft five from this. Like it's checking all the boxes. Whoa, whoa, Ubisoft whoa, whoa. games do check all the boxes, <laughs> but, but also friends. there's that little bit of potential there that you're like, well, if they just, it's, you just know, it's just missing the the, just, the edge. Like there's, there's yeah, no... yeah, there's so many sanded edges, isn't it? It's very mm. approachable. And we talked last week, I think, about breadcrumbs in terms of the visual storytelling. This episode is littered with it. You don't miss mm. a beat because the camera doesn't want you to, um, yeah. which kind of threw me a little bit. Like it's it's more obvious than it pretends to be, mm-hmm. which is got... not going to be a fault for many people, and that's great. You know, eat, you got any thoughts on uh, what we we're just talking about? Me? Yeah. Oh, um, the whole like walk before you can run, and this is going to be confronting for a lot of a lot of people. So, because um, it's basic, doesn't inherently make that bad. I, I, mm. I not to invalidate invali- what it, what you two are saying. Like, um, it's definitely, yeah, it's not changing the world, right? It's it's not re- breaking it down. But um, I guess it's the other stuff that I liked out of it. The whole kind of Bill coming to terms with his identity and not just 
as a gay man, but also kind of everything he's done in his life has been hoard the resources this very moment. Don't waste any of that. And he kind of, kind of lets go of a little bit of that across the episode I see. And then kind of that happened with Frank kind of, you know, live a little kind of influencing each other a little bit in, in those moments. And I, I really like that with the kind of how that plays out in the note at the end and, and how they kind of, you know, have that, you know, it's, it's tragic, but it's not kind of brutally tragic maimed type type thing they got to kind of go out on their own own terms and yeah it probably wouldn't have worked as good if it was a straight couple but um yeah just the suicide like just the note at the end and what kind of bill says in that note and how that kind of comes full circle back to joel reading it and how it's left for joel and kind of the relationships that he's had in his life i was like oh man that that that's like that's the moment that hit me hard I'm like okay we're getting all this context this is great for maybe the people that have played the game what does it mean for people that haven't played the game how do you link that back thematically it's like joel's had sarah in his life he couldn't save her um tess couldn't save her and then another person that he's kind of adjacent to but not really close to but someone that almost says that you know joel you're like me or or bill you're like me they're kind of like the same person this is why i'm going to leave you everything even though we have this back and forth conversation um it's not that joel couldn't save him but it's almost like the parallels of like bill couldn't save frank and that was his one purpose but he came to grips with that and kind of letting that you know i I lived and i went on my own turns embrace love and then that message to joel was like also embrace love you know save you know save tess go go you know go all in on that and that's kind of like joel has that realization of like is it me or does just death follow me? Am I cursed? Well, not cursed. That's probably the bad word. But is it me that has a failing that this happens to? Or is it just this is just around me and has nothing to do with me, but I'm going to always have these moments around me? And that's when he comes in and lays down the laws to kind of um, Ellie. And almost like I said at the start, kind of feels that responsibility more so than ever before. Not just because, you know, she had that start at the point at the start of the episode where it's like she almost feels guilty. Like, I didn't ask you to save me dismissive the whole thing it's not your fault you wanted to get the battery like Tess wasn't my fault she already feels that guilt and now Joel's kind of come full circuit of like okay well you know I'm no longer doing this kind of for Tess it's almost like I don't really have feelings for Ellie but as a as a bond or actually that that's going to come but it's almost like can I am I going to keep trying instead of just giving up like I could just kind of forget about her right now if I wanted to um you know the end game but do I keep going when I know that everything around me always falls apart? Like that was kind of like, I guess the big through line of the episode. Maybe we get there if it is a straight relationship or not, potentially not. You know, we've seen the game. We already have investment in these characters. That's why seeing it all fleshed out and all that nuance, um, whether it's like basic or not, uh, that that's kind of, I guess the whole reason we're seeing this like time capsule episode and why it's bookended that way. But um, I guess that's why it kind of left me a little bit, Oh, at the end and like kind of Joel walking out and then coming back and like, all right, everything is happening still for these characters and their bond. And I'm, I'm hoping that is the way as the series progresses, but um, as, as it does in the game, you get closer to them and everything's happening around that. But yeah, I guess we'll see. See, I thought Joel and Bill share very, very similar traits. Like they, they see themselves as the protector. Um, well, you see that when he goes off with Tess, right? Like yeah. um, Tess goes off with Frank and they're having the uh, the lunch and then they stay behind and they kind of line each, the <laughs> each other off. Talk. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Put that gun away. Let's do the but, trades. Uh, I can fix your fence, mate. Um, 
no, actually I just love think... that line from Joel about the fence. He, he's like, you know, we can trade. I can get you the 10 feet of high tensile aluminium. It'll protect you for the rest of your life. And he has that like pause and he's like lives. And it's almost like Joel kind of sees himself in Bill. It's like, okay, I know your, your one goal is now to protect Bill, like to protect Frank. That's why you live. And I, I had that and I know the power of like almost manipulating that or using that in, in a sense. Mm. Sorry. That's right. So I, I want to jump mm. back a little bit um, to the piano scene. And how did you feel about the piano scene? So the interesting thing that I, that I learned from the actual podcast uh, is that apparently Murray Bartlett's an amazing singer and um, he had to like act like a sh- shit version of the song. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a theatre kid. But there's yeah, a very talented man. I don't remember the actual because this is kind of when I was tuning in and out. But they were talking about how they chose the song for that moment, um, which is quite interesting. I know that Mazin, I think, just just texted one of his mates. There's more to it than that, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I actually didn't find that episode too bad. I didn't, there, Troy Baker didn't seem to talk a lot, so it was it was kind of good. Um, <laughs> but it like just to kind of sidestep a little bit it did feel a little bit manufactured like just hey like this scene was really cool like you know you know it kind of didn't feel you know what i mean like it was all yeah. prepped kind of thing which i'm sure it probably is but um anyway uh yeah so then we have the the song and then they have the intimate moment uh, i'm trying to think and then we fast forward a little bit through then but i i did love i did love the line that Frank says, he goes, I'm not just doing this for a free lunch or, or whatever it was, like I'm staying here for another mm. couple of days kind of thing. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, and then, I, I don't sleep with anyone for lunch or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then we move forward and then I think the strawberries or is the strawberries, have they, have they met Joel and, and Tess yet? Yeah, because I think he trades the... Oh, yeah, sorry, yes, yes, that is correct, the, yes, yeah, correct. I'm pretty um, sure anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the first time they meet, uh, yeah, you can tell that Bill's not a fan, kind of thing. But then I think there's just mm. a there's a, a respect uh, between those two, um, or yeah. at least at least on Bill's side. Yes. Do you think that this tracks with um? It was in episode two, I think, when uh, Tess says to Ellie, "Like we're bad people, we do bad things." Um, and then when I was watching them have that lunch together, I was like, it would be really interesting if we watched Tess and Joel fuck these two over somehow. Um, and then it just didn't happen. Um, and I just kind of wonder, um, I guess what, what we're essentially doing on this podcast is like James checking in every week to be like, how are they softening Joel's image for the audience this week? Um, oh boy, and I, didn't I they do, this week. Sorry. They so did this week though. Like they, I, I saw it no more so than I had this week. Yes. And like the, you know, it ends with, um, what is it? Tom, Tommy leaves that note. Uh, that's why men and you know, that's why men like you and me are here. We have a job to do and God help any motherfuckers who stand in our way. And because of the entire preceding narrative, this is framed as a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very concerned about a lot of this characterization because I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was interesting. And that lunch scene reminded me of Tess and Joel's continued, well, we're bad guys, but all you've seen us do is good things characterization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do we know what what was Joel and Tess getting out of the deal or the, you know, the, the partnership? Just supplies and shit, right? Yeah. Like just nebulous apocalypse needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just... Just another supply route. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, then, then I think uh, the the next major part of that is is the uh, the break in or the attempted break in of the mm. raiders or whatever they are. The, um, yeah. And Bill gets gets, gets pretty Bill gets fucked shot. up. Yeah, Bill gets shot. Yeah. Because um, Murray's in bed. The alarm yep. goes off. Murray's in yep. bed. Yeah, and old mate's already out there somewhere, or he's must be down Far in enough. the in the bunker getting ready. Um, yeah, and that's a. I think uh, in that scene he does say call Joel or find Joel or something like that. Is, is that yeah? Correct. Yeah. Um, and then it then it skips mm. like because then it skips well fast forward. Then and, and, and I think then they're Gray and Bill. Uh, yeah. Frank's in the wheelchair. Yes. Mm. Yes. From a uh, undisclosed illness. Mm. Um, well, they talk about this on the podcast. If you had to guess what it was, you know what what you think it would be. I I have an uncharitable guess, but feel free to just tell me anyway. Prostate cancer? No. Uh, that wasn't me trying to suggest anything by that. Just <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. No, just yeah. No, that's, yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I, I personally didn't take it that way, so I think you're fine. Uh, it was <laughs> either MLS. No. Is that what it's called? MLS. Am I thinking of MS? MS. MS. Sorry, not MLS. And yeah. then ALS is what they say. Sorry. Yeah, okay. or early onset of AS, yeah. A, A, ALS. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, so they go, it's... Which is what I kind of guessed when that we were watching it. Like, Kim leaned over, it's like, is that, you reckon that's MS? Like, I, I yeah, thought I it was so. MS, like, yeah. What like else could it be? That's where I went. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, it, it's quite sad. And then um, mm. Frank's obviously had enough and he's like, no, nah, I'm I'm done. Like, this is this is it. Like, this is my last day. And because you, you you see that Bill's obviously helping him get into bed, do all that sort of stuff, and one morning he's just there and he's like, "Nah, this is it. This is the last day." And at some point, uh, Bill is convinced that it's going to be his last day. Hmm. Um, yeah. A choice I really like, actually. Um, I especially think that the um the reveal that like there were already pills in the in the wine. Uh, I really liked that as a story <laughs> beat for those two characters. I did not expect it. Did you? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I saw it coming a mile off, but I still yeah, really right. enjoyed it. Yeah. No, when they yeah, were... I thought, I thought they followed through well. I think that that's more because I was sort of expecting a similar take to the game. Mm, in the sense, right. you know, the, the, the Bill. Yeah, you're going to see Ellie and Old Man interact yeah. and, yeah. Um, Bit of Bill. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but no, I did, I liked that choice as well uh even though they both perish um yeah but i mean like they get to die on their own terms right which is simultaneously something very novel for the world of the last of us and also as a as a means of sort of like counteracting the barrier gaze kind of stuff that we usually get with queer characters i think that having them survive this long and getting to go out on their own terms is um obviously quite pointed it's 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 very much a choice that they've made here um yeah yeah i i don't know why but i quite I got a little bit of a chuckle um, just thinking about Bill or Nick uh, when then in the letter they write, uh, I've left the window open so hopefully the house doesn't <laughs> doesn't stink. Yeah, I enjoyed that too. <laughs> I thought that was a nice bit of characterisation. Um, I thought that was quite good. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, and then so, yeah, Joel rocks up. He, he, he knows the pin code, uh, gets in, and then obviously they're dead. They find the note. Or no, Ellie finds the note first. And then, yeah, Joel goes out and it's obviously hits him pretty hard because I think there is mention of Tess. 
you know, look after Tess or save Tess or whatever the, yeah, the word is. Yeah, it's in the letter, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and that's when um, they uh, go get the car and they... Well, they, they get all get all of the supplies that they can. I did find they bring this up in the um, in the actual podcast, and I did think this at the time too. I still find it a little bit weird that they didn't let Ellie take a gun at this point, given they had fucking heaps of them in mm. in the bunker. Yeah. So agreed. <laughs> if it makes any difference, it's not till like well after this that she gets a gun in the game. Really. Mm-hmm. I was surprised how late she gets a gun. Yeah, right. Well, well yeah, because at that point. So. Well, yeah, because of this. She doesn't have a gun until like. It's America. I think it's she like should have a gun th- by now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's like halfway till they're through like Pittsburgh or something. So I'm thinking around the time they discover that the Fireflies research camp thing in the no. university's been moved on. I'm trying. It's, to... it's somewhere around that point well, that yeah, she gets a gun. But doesn't doesn't she? Does she sneakily take one from somewhere? Or yes. she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she saves yeah, from, him with a gunshot at one house. point, but he yeah. takes it right off. Or he's like, naughty girl, but thank you for saving me. You ain't touched <laughs> another girl. one for a while. Um, no, I, I well, know. That's I'm effectively, just, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just trying to think where she got it uh, in, in, in the game. I can't recall. Yeah. Or do you even see? You must do. You do, you do. I'm just trying to, I'm anyway. just struggling to place um, it. Yeah. It's a moment. Yeah, yeah, right. Um and the gameplay significantly changes at that point. At least, you know, it's not just you firing at enemies like you have been for the past four hours. Yeah. So obviously yeah, this this part of the story is... Um, uh, sorry, this part of the game is very different because in the game they go to the school, I believe, and they try to they go to try and find a battery and that's when uh, they find... Or, you know, they're going through the suburb... Suburb? The suburb. Suburb. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, they come across Frank who's hung himself and the letter that uh, Frank has written basically implies that he was going to escape with the battery or he, he took the battery. Um, and I think this is this is where in the game, I, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's implied that they're together. Or do we? Or do we? Do we get little hints before well, you that? find his suicide note? And the suicide note is very much like "fuck you." I've, yeah, I've I, to hate I, you I always time. hated you. Like yeah. it wasn't yeah. the. Imp- I'll be honest. Having played it so recently, um, I went into that episode not expecting a queer romance whatsoever. You know, despite the the conversation that's been occurring from the day it aired because there was no sense of that I got nothing but disdain was the impression I got from both the words spoken and words written in the game like mm. it was it was purely a meeting in for survival convenience you know they had a, a a social connection at best and even then they got on each other's you know grind grind each other down effectively but but, but grind that is, each other down but that is the moment oh. though that they that, that where the player learns. Of the, of Correct. The, yeah. Yeah. Correct. Well, then there's that that moment later, which um, like the Ellie finding the the porn magazine. Yeah. Um, which. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do we how do we feel about that scene in the in the movie? Sorry, in the episode. Um, <laughs> I think it works in the game because it is a it's a moment of 
levity for those two characters and um, paired with sort of the subtle storytelling that's going on around their relationship mm. with uh, Bill and Frank, um, you kind of like look back on that like dynamic now. I've been like, oh shit, yeah, gay maybe. Um, and I think <laughs> in this, it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's like uh, somebody said before, like you've got two things sandwiched on the other side of this one thing in the middle. And I just, I don't know. I don't think it fully gels. Yeah. yeah I don't I'm think it, agree. I don't think it fit Bill's personality in the There episode. is that too. Yeah. Like yeah. I, didn't, he's, I didn't, didn't feel like he'd be the kind of guy that would stash a porno in the back of his truck. You know what I mean? Like take yeah. a, take a quick, quick trip around the corner. Yeah. That's it. Like it's a bit of environmental storytelling about a couple who aren't really fucking anymore, right? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. this, this dude's having to sneak off to his truck to sort of yeah. like get his get his jollies off and whatnot. What a yeah. fucking terrible term. I'm so sorry I said oh, that. I love that. Um, I love that term actually. Big fan. Yeah. <laughs> sure, <laughs> me too. Um, but that yeah, I know, to me it paints a different picture to uh, to this one here. Yeah. But that kind of like what you said before, James, about how how in the game, even though we don't get a lot of it, and we only get those little beats, like out of that relationship being out of necessity, not actually mm. being being gay, and how that might be a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not not true love, right? Like the idea of like you know you're going to stumble upon somebody else in the apocalypse who just happens to be like your one person. Um especially when they have such stark differences as these two characters seem to have. Even ideologically speaking, the amount of hoarding that Bill does here, I just can't imagine this Frank being okay with that. Um that's why that's what I meant by like mid, like mid-chapter conflict. Like I thought mm-hmm. they would be butting yeah. heads over a little bit more. Like I'm not saying when I suggested like tragedy and conflict, I didn't mean like one tr- is, is attempting to kill the other. I just mean there's definitely more flesh here than we're than mm. we're seeing. I wanted yeah. to be teased a little more. Um, like what's their issues? What's going on? Who keeps stealing the toothbrush? Can you <laughs> remind me, Nathan, because you're playing it? Didn't Ellie steal a comic from Bill in the game? She did indeed. Yep, yep. She basically, as soon as she throws the porno mag out the window of the car, which is basically how you found out about it, as, as I said, in the back of the yeah. truck, um, then then she basically just whips that out straight after and says, ha, I stole that from Bill as well. That didn't happen in the show, did it? I want to say no, or at least it didn't leave an impression. No. Not yet. Well, I find that a little bit weird because obviously she saw the arcade Ellie's, the machine before. Ellie's love for comics is obviously quite big across the games and they didn't even well they're collectible hey oh, they, oh yeah they are too um yeah i i, <laughs> I found that a, a very weird omission like something that's so small that you could just um what well, comes up well, um, mm. it's different isn't it well, i think it's different isn't it you yeah think, are you thinking volume of where we're going yeah, yeah. This yep. is why it helps so much to just now I'm just reframing myself every week. These are different characters. Mm. They're doing different mm. things with them. And just get just to, the sooner I accepted that. Uh, Ellie's still very similar. To, like she talks about she you can see that she's got actually I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. Maybe I won't go to I won't say that, but there are things that Ellie's quite into and that it's quite no you know, you can you can tell that they've I don't want to say taking that from the game, but Ellie from the game is Ellie from the show here mm. with some of her so Ellie from her, the block. her interests. Mm. So, mm. I don't know, it just, it just felt like it was such a, like, why instead of a porno mag, why couldn't it have been a comic book? Yeah. 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 Mm. 
one last thing I did mm. quite like, and I don't know if it I, uh, is the the music, Joel, and the the music in this episode at the end of the music where they, they find the tapes. Is that? Oh, yeah, like that that iconic piece of music. Mm. I just I, I, I just liked that moment. I can't remember it exactly, but I remember that I liked it. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That's fair. All right. And then we finished the, finished the episode. Ten, yep, out, yep. 10 out of 10 to most people. That's <laughs> it, mate. I don't, you know, like I, can, I, I understand why some people are suggesting that. It's funny. I, I don't get, it's honestly, I love the episode. And um, like I said, once again, the through line, like the bookend, more, more th- so thematically how it fits for me and based on the previous episodes and the relationship Joel's had in his past and, and linking all that together I really like um, maybe I'm looking too much into that and whatever but um, I don't yeah all the kind of the Emmy praise and all that stuff and, and being like awards bait and all that kind of stuff they were great performances don't get me wrong and like best TV like bit TV episode of all time that's oh man I, I, I don't yeah that vibe. With that, because I've seen, I'm seeing some. As long as Ozzy Mandias is out there um, in the in the Breaking Bad world, like I, I can't, I can't say that. Honestly, yeah. Obviously, okay. and some of and, and some of the Barry episodes. Yeah, <laughs> two look, of them in particular. Again, that's that's where that's where I was coming from. That sort of high standard, but um, I mean, I feel like Nick Offerman. He was Emmy nominated for Devs, and uh, this this role. I feel like what he puts into this role is everything. If or, or rather, as good as what he gave for devs. Um, so it definitely doesn't hurt that the shots that have him at his most emotionally vulnerable are very, very squarely up in on the, in on that face. That helps. Good mm. face. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He's always had a good face. Just on what you were saying, buddy. I've I found that talk about uh, best TV episode ever. Shit. I was like. Wow. Oh, sorry. You is that what you meant, buddy? Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. No, Ozzy Mandius blows that out of the water. No, I'm just episode. like I'm happy. I'm happy. Everyone loved it and everyone excited about. It, but it's probably just like the small kind of like portion was... of what I see on social media and stuff. And you know, everyone everyone around me is also loving it as well. It's just, uh, I guess, when you're in that kind of space, you see the the extremes of it. <gasps> I didn't realize um, that was the conversation. Extreme highs and the extreme kind mm. of lows. I'm gonna say for such a like. Oh, damn. Air quotations, controversial episode. I guess it's just my kind of portion of the internet I am in. And, and every now and then, you know, the, the bad portion seeps in with its pretty bad videos and bad people. I think I've seen like hardly any of that here. So I was like expecting a lot more backlash, but I feel like I've seen a lot more backlash about there being backlash than what there is. But it's maybe just the circles that I kind of run in. Everybody's mm. kind of celebrated it and enjoyed it. Maybe to my, a, a a portion of being a bit, you know. Yeah, my, my algorithm's very much yeah. been that. I certainly haven't seen any, anything. I'm in surrounded the world by nice people. It's good. Yeah, we've done, done well. Oh man, it's great. All right, before I drop this into the thing, I got a question for you. You may not be able to answer. Maybe you can. Which which Bill Arc did you prefer? TV show Bill Arc or game Bill Arc? Oh. TV show be like for me, only because it was a lot more fleshed out and therefore interesting. Yeah, I was, I was along for that ride. Knowing, knowing full trouble. well that you probably can't do both. A lot like you can't. Uh, Neil was sort of saying um, that you couldn't do a story like this in a game. Yeah, he's he's got that quote here about how it doesn't work in um 
in the game. But I, um, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's definitely great and seeing it in this, but I'm kind of almost watching it and seeing it as complimentary. Like, oh my God, that's giving like a lot more context or backstory. Sure. It's kind of adding that element. I, it's hard to split it for me um, at the moment because I'm like, okay, well, the game can't tell these stories or wouldn't be able to tell these stories in the same way as, as what you would because of the, you know, the gameplay cutscenes, all that kind of stuff. And then everything in here, like, oh, well, they've got the kind of platform to do it. Um, yeah, like, like that's what you said before, Nathan, about like, you know, these are two different things. Sooner I've kind of clicked into that, the more I can enjoy the, the, the both elements. But mm. yeah, obviously he's, he's awesome because he's got, you know, they're both awesome in this because they get the, the time to shine, right, and have more material. Good. Yeah. Solid. Very solid. So yeah, uh, what I just put in the in the chat there is what what's kind of been going around. So, mm. is that's going wild, mate? As, y- are you as getting the bad shit? All right, uh, let's wrap it oh, up. Oh no, okay. People are hyped. People are very hyped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, before we wrap, I guess it just got uh, renewed for season two. So. Oh yes, mm. yes. How do we? Yes. Buddy, how do you feel about that? Do they have it in them to get to the twisted, dark place that some of these characters mm, get to by the exactly. end of season two? You said it, buddy. Because uh, a lot of the reasons people hated number two outside of Minch being like straight up bigots and, um, you know, terrible, terrible people that uh, the absolute cesspool of the internet and <laughs> humanity in general. Um, yeah, it takes risks and it tells a story in ways that it didn't in the first, like being completely linear and having two sides of a story and things being more gray than black and white and having um, almost your heroes have heroes in quotations um, do questionable things that make you question their actions and kind of the whole effect of the world. I I, I don't like, can they get to that point? Because uh, it would be criminal if they just, you know, carried on um, almost what you're saying at the moment, James, where like, Oh look, Joel in a good light. Like I'm hoping that, yeah, there's a little bit more subtlety under there, and hopefully by the end of the season we get you know a little bit more. Eh, is you know Joel bad or good? I can't say that right now, but they have to, right? If they're going to do season two, are we just going to be stock standard? It turns into uh, normal TV, and we're going to get you know four or five seasons to this, and all of a sudden you know Dexter Morgan has a baby and has a life, and it's not this <laughs> meticulous serial killer, and we're questioning his like motives and stuff, and mm. becomes a TV sitcom drama. Um, or do yeah. we get the more nuanced take in the, in the game too? So I'm kind of apprehensive, but I'm interested. I'm I'm intrigued. I want to see where it goes because yeah, it Quick. could be great. It could not be great, but yeah. So I'm here for it. I'll quickly butt in. So I wanted to actually get your thoughts. So we've actually discussed this on the podcast a few times, our feelings on The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, and I think both James and I have said this is a game that leaves you quite emotionally uh, exhausted. Like it, it, it kicks like a mule. Uh, and it makes you uncomfortable. It's not afraid to. And it's mostly, prob- well, I'd say for me, it was very effective in making me uncomfortable. Uh, I felt like so far, The Last of Us hasn't wanted to make me feel any more uncomfortable than I would watching a zombie film. Uh, is, is that kind of like, how do you, how did it sit with you when you played the game? Like, in terms of, because, yeah, you're like, will they have the ability to go to those dark places? So I, well, I, just, how, just how uncomfortable did the game actually make you? Well, I, t- I took four... I took four days off work and in my job, um, you know, 
being there for the launch of a massive game is pretty important. So um, <laughs> that's how much that series means to me. And on the first day and the first morning when I went to work, come back home, I play the game for the first two or three hours and I have to stop. I have to stop playing. Mm. Um, and then I didn't play for the rest of the day until the next morning. And I'm kind of like, it, it hit me hard. And then I'm talking, like messaging to friends who are playing like, what the fuck what what the hell is this happening and you thought that was going to be the big holy shit what the hell moment and then it just happens it's these characters that you love just like deteriorate and just revenge and at all costs to the point of like self-harm and Mm -hmm. what's good what's bad who are the good guys like it was breaking me like towards the end of the game in the finale i'm like "I, i don't want to press any of these buttons right now yeah i don't want to finish these actions this is this is harmful and to see like lose everything and mm-hmm. uh, only just have memories um yeah it, it messed me up it, yeah. it was it was like yeah it was it was it was great it was kind of like you watch the godfather part one and then you watch the godfather part two and the godfather part two is just this absolute fuckery like that's that's kind <laughs> yeah, of just blows the door off the hinges right blows like the, the door off the hinges and it's yeah. like you know that was the empire strikes back part mm. two and it's like yeah Turned so up I, to eleven, so yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of the parallels. Godfather one, Godfather two, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Now but what they have... should do, but what they should do, they should definitely um, remaster this game, and they should definitely sell it for um, seventy US dollars and one hundred and twenty-five dollars here. You know what? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've been peeled. It, one, mm. two, good. I'll do it, buddy. The, all the fish are asleep at night, so. Then I'm biting. Um. Yes. I, I also just want to say, like, I know we sort of made a joke about it at the top of the episode and like, um, I didn't cry during this episode, but I fucking sobbed at the last of us part two. Um, so like, you know, mm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm capable of feeling the things that they need. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. To, to echo some of what we just said, the, the idea of a, a sanded edges part two makes me very <laughs> nervous, both from a storytelling point of view, but also from the idea of like fixing fan response to that game makes me incredibly fucking anxious. Mm. Yeah. Yes. No Thanks, James. I'm yeah. I, I'm curious to see what they adapt uh, from from the game mm. and then in, into the show. Like, what are they gonna like? You know, seeing what they've changed here. Like, what are they gonna do with part two kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and James, especially considering yeah the audience that you've handheld into this. Like, mm. are they gonna be ready for that shit? One of the things. James, that you might have asked, I'm pretty sure Bella Ramsey confirmed she's coming back. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, interesting. We'll see how, see how that goes. I think, yeah. Um, you can do a lot with makeup and lighting and, you know, uh, Bella's obviously playing this as a slightly younger character as well. So, like, there's, there's a lot of different things that could go into this. Um, I just hope that... Yeah, I hope they can pull it off because like Ellie in part two is like all time video game protagonist for me. Like super fucking gay, super fucking self-destructive, a total mess of a human being. Love her. Very nice. Uh, Buddy, sorry, you did say that you listened to the official podcast, yeah? Yep. What did you think of the window idea? I'm going to ask Buddy before I let you know what the window idea is. I liked it. It's a good nod. Um, they never really say or explicitly show what the window is in The Last of Us games. I think they do towards the end of two and it has like a little bit more emotional resonance because of the events of the game mm. where they are. It's almost in this like um, epilogue 
of, of, of the story and kind of the, the world that it, that it is now post everything. So it has a lot of effects there because of certain props and things around it that give you a more heartfelt reason. But um, if they were just going to do a little nod to that, then yeah, that's, that's, so, that's fine. So the idea um, is, sorry to butt in, but the idea that they were talking about that they wanted to do is that this show would start oh, yes, up. So, yes. <laughs> do, you, do you think I was talking about something different? No, no, no. Oh, right. No, I heard this. Yeah, um, I know where you're going. Yeah, so the, the idea was that the, before each episode, all the episode would load up, right, and you'd have a window based on that episode and it would just play and then in the bottom right corner or whatever it might be, right, it would have play episode or start episode, like, yeah. So they'd have this menu screen almost, like in the game with the... Yeah, when the credits, instead yeah. of skip intro, it's like start, start episode. Yeah, and it's just like a window from, yeah... A, a scene in that episode um, but obviously they, obviously they canned it because they were like cool idea but like didn't really pan out the way we wanted it to mm. yeah I don't um, I don't know the, the part Indulge two's it, ending mate. is Indulge. very special to me and I don't like it being an Easter egg for this story, but that's fine. That's fine. Well, I don't think it was, <laughs> I don't think it was the, it wasn't the ending. It was just the, the menu screen when you first opened the game. Um, you know, I was just, I, was. I was reading an interview with the director. Oh, uh, he got asked about it or something. Can oh, apparently yeah. um, it was like allusions to yes, like the menu screen, but also the, like the last shot of the last of us part two is like oh. a window, like it, it, which is itself referencing yep. the menu shot of the first game. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's so good. Yeah. I didn't think that far into it. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it was more surface level. This, this is the main menu. Yeah, or front, front facing menu. Yeah, because yeah. they didn't mention that in the, in the thing. Anyway, cool. Mm. All right, thank you for listening to this week's uh, wrap of The Last of Us episode three. Uh, yeah, we'll, we will see you next week for episode four. Uh, let us know your thoughts on anywhere. Just say them out loud, and we'll hear them. Or you can get yell them out your window side. right now. <laughs> that's, that's it. Or uh, jump on the socials and, and we'll and we'll love you forever. Thank you and and farewell. Farewell. Yep. Bye. <laughs>